Good evening, everybody. It's good to see all of you here tonight. It's actually an incredible blessing for me uh, to spend the last few moments of 2015 together as a family in worship of the one true God of Jesus. And so as we gather tonight, we are winding down. 2015 is coming to an end. And if you can see it or imagine it, it's because there's a sun and there is the earth revolving around the sun and it has now come to one full revolution. It has gone one full circle and that is one more tick on the clock. I can see time is ticking away, not just for us, but for the universe And closer and closer, we are coming to the end. The end that we are looking forward to, looking toward to, is Jesus coming again to reign and rule. And so as we end this year in worship, in adoration of our King, let's end it in prayer. And let's end it knowing that God is truly God who is in control and sovereign over this place over our lives, and over the world. Let's pray before we start. God, we just want to thank you for every single heart that has gathered here tonight. Lord God, uh, even when I look around, I see beautiful faces that have been covered by the precious blood of the Lamb. And Lord God, I can see that the way you look at us is a way of incredible and intense and passionate and zealous love. And Lord, we are here tonight because of that love. And so we want to turn it, we want to give it back to you with praise, worship, seeking the true King of Kings. So be with us tonight. Holy Spirit, come down in power, reveal yourself And Lord God, help us to turn to you again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The passage tonight that I'll be sharing from is from the book of James chapter 4. The book of James chapter 4. And if you find it, would you please rise with me as we read James chapter 4, verses 13 to 17. James chapter 4, verses 13 to 17, and it reads like this. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this city, this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and does not do it, it is a sin for them. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. 
James grabs his audience in the beginning of the passage by saying, now listen. It literally means come, give me your attention. Now listen, because a lot of us, we say today or tomorrow, I have these plans. In 2016, I will do these things. I will accomplish this. This is my goal. And James is admonishing those people to be careful. He is saying, if you say, I will do this, I will do that, I will go here, I will go there, I will go everywhere, then you are Dr. Seuss. But if you say these things, then he is saying you're like a rich person, a rich person who feels like they are in total control of their lives. But he is saying you are mistaken if you honestly think you have total control over your life then you're mistaken because what are you? And he reminds his readers that we are a mist. A mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. What is a mist? I think number one, a mist is fragile. A mist is fragile. A mist is fragile because we do not know what will happen 10 minutes from now, five minutes from now, even one minute from now and yet here we are arrogantly saying we will plan this and we will do this and I will live the good life. We don't know what's going to happen 10 minutes from now or even a minute or even a second. When I was in college I had a friend and I won't name him but I had a friend that I made in freshman year when I was in college. And when you are in college and you're a freshman, it's really difficult to live the life that your parents taught you to live because there are so many pressures. There's so much temptation all around you. And so you go to this party, you go to that party, you meet these people, you do these things. And then this friend of mine, he was a... a, I thought he was a good person. He was very nice, very friendly. Um, After one party, uh, he passed away. It was incredibly tragic uh, for me to witness this um, because it was a tragic passing. And I remember just thinking about how fragile life was and how you pass. It isn't glorious, it it isn't glamorous. My friend passed away clutching onto a toilet bowl. And that, to me, was the most tragic. If we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, how do you want to pass? What do you want to be holding on to? Because life is fragile. We are a mist. I traveled to Egypt with a team Many of you know some of the stories, but each day, each moment, when you really live and risk it for God, it's, it's, it's an adventure. There was this one time my team went to a museum just to learn more about Egyptian culture. And then all of a sudden, there was a shaking. And we thought there was an earthquake, which was weird because we were in Egypt. And we thought it was an earthquake But we realized later that right outside of the wall, so if we were here, there was a wall and there was an outside. Right outside the wall, there was a terrorist bombing. 
right outside. And um, it was the first in decades Egypt had a terror attack, and we were just, just a few feet away. If it were not for the wall, we would have also perished. And tragically that day, a uh, few tourists did die because of that attack. Life is fragile. Not only that, by James saying we are a mist, he's also saying life is short. When we're younger, we think we will live forever. When we're five, we can't wait till we turn six, and that takes forever. When we're 17, we can't wait till we turn 18, and that feels like forever. When you're 39, you wish 40 wouldn't come, but that comes in a second. I've heard this, uh, this kind of metaphor. I feel like as time goes on, though, December rolls around quicker and quicker. And I've heard this uh, from the KM pastor. He said, life is like a speedometer. So the older you are, the faster your speed is. So when you're five years old, of course you want it to go faster because you're only going five miles per hour. But when you're 60, you're going 60 miles per hour with no brakes, so you wish it would stop, and it won't stop. And I found that to be so profound. There is a game that I used to play with some of our college students, a phone app game, and it was called Two Cars. And it was testing your dexterity. So there's two cars, and you have to press both sides to have two cars dodge obstacles. But as you dodge the obstacles, the game got faster and faster. And eventually, the game got so fast, all you are looking forward to is, I'm eventually going to die. Eventually, this game is going to end. The end is near. That's like life. A better analogy if you're younger, because, I don't know, you can't relate to the speedometer. I have a really good one that I particularly enjoy. Life is like toilet paper. Because the closer you get to the end, the faster the roll goes. So in the beginning, it's slow. It's turning slow. But as you get toward the end, that roll is spinning fast. And you only get a little bit. It's like, where's more? And then you wish you could replace it. But unfortunately, we only get one TP per life. (laughs) Is this depressing? I guess it depends on our perspective. There is a story told of King Solomon. He once called all his wise men together and presented them with a challenge. He said, find me a cure for depression. And they meditated a long time and then gave him the following advice. They said, your majesty, make yourself a ring engraved with the words, this too shall pass. Engrave a ring with the words, this too shall pass. So he made the ring and wore it constantly. Every time he felt sad or depressed, He looked at the inscription, and it was told that it lifted his spirits. This, too, shall pass. Indeed, it shall. Whether positive or negative, we realize nothing in life lasts forever. Even if it is sometimes 
It feels like it does. We are certain because we know that life itself does not last forever. But there is something certain that all of humanity is faced with, and that is death. The end of things are certain. The sun is middle-aged. The universe has an end. If you, if you, I, you know, if you like astronomy or science, it's fascinating, isn't it? If you look at every single major galaxy, every single major, almost every single major galaxy, what's right in the middle? A black hole. A supermassive black hole is in almost every single major galaxy. The end is coming for every single thing in the universe. So what lasts? Does your work last? Does your accomplishments last? Do materials last? There was a bumper sticker that I saw while I was driving, and the bumper sticker read, the one who has the most toys in the end wins. This is a very popular bumper sticker. I'm sure some of you have seen it. The one who has the most toys in the end wins. But the question is, wins what? What do you win? So what lasts? What is James admonishing his readers to look toward? What lasts? A better question is, who lasts? Who is eternal? And he says, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or do that. When we have a New Year's resolution, and I love the wisdom behind the New Year's resolution, it's good. But when we look at it, what are we pointing ourselves toward? Are we pointing ourselves toward things that will, be, that will come to an end? Or are we pointing to the eternal? Who lasts? Who is eternal? And then the question is, what's the will of God then? Pastor Eugene, what's the will of God? How can I possibly know what the will of God is? Isn't that so arbitrary? How can I find out? It's in the Bible. Honestly, it is. How much have we studied this book in 2015? How much have you poured over it, knowing that this is God's love letter to each and every single one of you? Take one book and study it. One book. If you study the book of Mark, you just go up to chapter 3 in the book of Mark, and Jesus says, that's the will of God. What's the will of God? And Jesus already points out, this is the will of God. Jesus was doing miracles People were following him in droves. People were getting healed, fed, and people were amazed. But people were talking about Jesus. And they were going to his mom and his brothers and his family saying, Jesus, that son of yours, that brother of yours is crazy. You better fetch him and bring him to the hospital. Bring him to the crazy house because he's causing a lot of trouble. And so he is in this house ministering, preaching, doing all these miraculous things And outside, someone comes and grabs the attention of Jesus and says, your mother and brothers are looking for you. Mind you, this is because they thought he was causing trouble. They thought he was crazy. And then Jesus looks at them when they said, your mother and brothers are looking for you. Jesus looks at them and says, who are my mother, brothers, 
and sisters. Who are they? And he goes, you are my mother, brothers, and sisters. Anyone who does the will of God are my mother, brothers, and sisters. You want to know how to do the will of God, even in this short, very concise passage, it's laid out. Number one, stay with Jesus. Don't lose sight of him in 2016. If you didn't see it in 2015, 2016, grab a hold of him and read the book. He's in there. He's alive in every single chapter, every single verse, every single book he comes alive. Who are my mother and my brothers and my sisters? Here they are. It means we must gather. Whenever we are here to worship God, Jesus says, I will be there. I will be there among you. And when we gather, Jesus is here with us. Jesus is here with us now. And as we worship him, don't you see, he is calling us his mother, brothers, and sisters. Jesus, the son of God, is calling us this to us. Number two, listen. Listen to what he has to say. When he gathers, he speaks. So you have to open your heart. What is Jesus saying even now to your heart? Is it open to him? Or are you just here for the formalities and then go home? But is your heart open? Number three, obey. Those who love me will obey me. That's what Jesus said. Number one, gather. Number two, listen. Number three, Obey. What do you believe is around the corner in 2016? Do you believe God has a great plan for you? How have you sought him? How have you seeked his face? How have you said, God, I want to see your face. What is your will for me in my life? And if not, shouldn't that be your resolution? 2016, I believe, will be an incredible year. Incredible because we have so many things building up, not just around us, but all around the world. Don't you see it? Don't you see the weather is changing? So more than anything, shouldn't we be prepared in prayer by seeking God's will and by doing it? Let us be a family. Let us be a church that seeks God's will by gathering and listening and obeying. Let's take this time to pray. I'm going to invite Jubin to come up and play some music. But while we do that, could we just take a moment and whatever you had in your heart, won't you lift it up to the Lord in prayer now and say, God, I want to seek you. I want to do your will. I want it revealed to me in my life. So please reveal it to me as we seek your face together as one. Let's pray.